eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Patagna alongside 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting Andrew Ivins. And the boys have just put a bow on 2024. We are on to 2025, but we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show We're also going to discuss the Ohio State Buckeyes. How about them, Drew? They are going all in. Ryan Day, they've had enough. Michigan coming off a national title. Now is the time to respond for Ryan Day in Columbus. Outside of that, we'll talk some 2025 arms as well with our friend Tom Lloyd going to join us here shortly. But Drew, before we get started, let's start the show the way we always do. I believe you have one little thing. Yeah, man. Lance or Zalance Heard headed to Tennessee. This kind of flew under the radar over the weekend, but I think it's big news in the SEC. Zalance Heard, a five-star recruit for us in the 2023 cycle, played in a few games for LSU. He enters the portal. Now he's headed to Rocky Top, and the Vols need him, right? They lost Gerald Mincy uh, to Kentucky in the transfer portal. John Campbell coming back for his fifth, sixth, or seventh year. I've lost track. But I think this is a guy that could be a left tackle uh, in 2024. And you think about Nico Iamalieva. We saw him uh, in the bowl game, what he's able to do. Tennessee, they needed to get better up front. Even though, Cooper, did you know this? They led the SEC in rushing yards in 2023. Still needed to shore up that unit. So Lance Hurd, I think one of our favorite recruits two cycles ago. Big win for Josh Heupel in the balls. Yeah, that fires me up, too. Kind of sent uh, some shockwaves in Baton Rouge when that happened. A lot of people didn't expect Zalance Hurd, the former five-star from Monroe, Louisiana, played his ball at Neville High School, the same high school as Will Campbell, the starting left tackle there in Baton Rouge. You love what LSU's done on the offensive line, an embarrassment of wrenches. Zalance Hurd, he decides to test the market. Tennessee comes calling. Drew, he played in 12 games last year. He's also a guy that started three games, I think started against Grambling, Auburn, Georgia State. He's a seasoned freshman, right? You don't get to see that a lot. We thought that that was one of those guys who could play early. Nonetheless, a big pickup for Tennessee's Lance Hurd going to be playing for Rocky Top this upcoming year. Well, I said the Oyster Boys are back, and we are back every Tuesday and Wednesday. You can find us on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel, 5 o'clock Eastern time. We'll he- 
We'll be here discussing everything college football recruiting. You can also find us wherever you find your podcasts as well. And if you're in the chat, make sure to like, like and subscribe. And without further ado, let's bring in our friend Tom Loy, college football writer and reporter here at 24-7 Sports, one of our favorite rocking the rowback as always. My boy Tom Loy looking very spiffy, does a great job for Notre Dame. But Tom Loy, you've been on the beat for Ohio State, and they've had a lot going on between former five-star Julian Sand. Hadn't even played a snap of college football, we're saying former five-star, enrolls with Alabama, hits the transfer portal, now going to suit up for Ryan Day in Columbus. They're taking Air Nolan as well, another guy that we liked, had in the top 64, not to mention the number one player in the transfer portal in Caleb Downs, and I didn't even talk about Quinshawn Judkins. So what has led to this point, not only in the pursuit of some of the uh, three best available players via the transfer portal, but for Ryan Day in Ohio State just to say, you know what, enough is enough. Let's push all our chips into the middle of the table. Let's go try to win a championship. Yeah, for a school that wasn't all about NIL early, they have clearly gone all in, like you said. Um, but let's kind of look back at Julian saying a little bit. Um, we at 24-7 got, got ahead of that one, which, which was pretty nice. But news breaks, Nick Saban's leaving, and I'm told Julian Sain's pretty bummed about it. Obviously, he wants to go there and play for Saban, but his plan is initially to stick it out through spring ball. Um, then they hire Kalen DeBoer, and I'm told he's excited about it. He wants to play in the offense, um, and I really do think that, and maybe you guys agree or disagree, but I think that would have been a great fit. Um, then I'm told meetings don't exactly go all that well between him and the new Bama staff, and let's just leave it at that, but both sides are heading in a di different direction. Um, then I get on the phone on Wednesday and tell Brett Greenberg from Bama 24-7, hey, I'm told Julian Saints entering the portal. Get a story ready. Don't have to cite me or anything. Just I want you guys to be prepared. Um, news breaks Thursday. He's leaving for leaving Alabama. And then I'm immediately told, watch out for Ohio State and USC. And in fact, I actually put in the crystal ball fairly immediately upon him entering the transfer portal for Ohio State. I know he's got a great relationship with Ryan Day, but Bill O'Brien is the kicker, and that was the big kick, big uh, advantage for Ohio State. So they take a little time to decide, figure it out, uh, how they're going to handle things. You know, do they leave the quarterback room as is, or do they want to add another guy? I mean, five is a lot. You know, you, Will Howard or Nolan, Keenholz, Devin Brown, then you add Julian Sands. So is that too much? Meanwhile, in the background, you got Lincoln Riley and USC making a strong push. They're getting on the phone with Julian, his family. Um, in the end, he, the majority at Ohio State stand on the table. They make it very clear, like, hey, Bill O'Brien, Ryan Day, you got to get your guy. They, they make the push for Julian Sain. Sain arrives in Columbus on Sunday, and uh, it's a wrap, and he's a Buckeye. Tom, you mentioned the five quarterbacks, right? I, I had to jump on CBS Sports HQ, and they asked me what I thought of the situation. I said, hey, look, Kyle McCord couldn't beat Michigan. Now they got five different guys to try to eventually uh, take down the Wolverines here. Uh, you, you, you mentioned Bill O'Brien, and I think that is kind of the tying factor in this whole thing. A lot of people are probably going to forget Bill O'Brien was recruiting Julian Sayan when he was calling plays there in Tuscaloosa. Played a big reason and why Julian Sayan initially – picked the Crimson Tide. So, I mean, was he kind of the difference or was it Ryan Day or or is it Bill O'Brien coming over from the NFL? I think in the end it was Ryan Day's decision, but he wanted Bill O'Brien to have his guy. And and there was nobody he wanted more than Julian Sain. And I know they landed a really good player in Aaron Noland. And obviously you look at the rest of the room, it's loaded. But, you know, in the end, you want your guys to have exactly who they want in that room. And in my opinion, Julian Sands, an absolute dog for you guys as well, naming him a five-star top 20 kid. So 
very impressive talent. I think he's going to take Ohio State to that next level uh, after Will Howard. And, I mean, let's be honest, the, this room's not going to have five guys in it for too long, at least after spring ball. Guys are going to move around and, and find new homes. So, in the end, I see Julian saying, at least in my opinion, I see him battling and eventually being that number two guy next season for Ohio State if he's as good and ready as I think he is. All right, Tom, you're you're ahead of us here because that was my next question, right? They they have five quarterbacks. We've talked about it being a loaded quarterback room, but you don't see loaded quarterback rooms very often in today's age of the transfer portal in NIL. I guess if you could look into your crystal ball, shout out 24-7 sports, and look past that spring practice, uh, 15 practices there in a couple months, and then we have that second transfer portal window. What do you think that Ohio State quarterback room looks like as they go into the summer? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, I mean, knowing, knowing Aaron, Aaron Nolan and, and how talented he not only is, but also how highly he thinks of himself, I could see him sticking it out all the way through spring ball, Will Howard as well. Uh, Devin Brown's the one I'm kind of watching to look around. Um, and then Lincoln Keenos is a tough spot because he's he's shown enough and he's done enough to where he could go and be a guy next year for, for another program and at least lock in that number two spot, being the guy in 25 elsewhere. So um, that's kind of how I see it playing out. But Julian Sain is a stud. I've watched him for the past four years and get better and grow and and become a truly elite quarterback and a, one of the truly best passers in the entire country. Um, he's a guy that you could put in, put on the field year one as a true freshman, and I don't think there'd be much of a drop-off for Ohio State this year. So I don't think he's going to win the job. I fully expect it to be Will Howard, but I think he's going to be really tough to beat for that number two spot. Man, Aaron Nolan, Cooper, remember we talked about we thought he'd be a perfect fit at a school like Clemson because of him between the ears. Hey, Clemson didn't take a high school quarterback. That's me just speculating. Uh, Tom, I want to get more on the quarterbacks here, but – Caleb Downs, I mean, I think when he entered the transfer portal, we all thought, all right, he's going to Georgia. There's the photo out there of Kirby Smart embracing him on the field. We know how much Kirby uh, invested time recruiting him. And then they also add Quinchon Judkins. I had heard behind the scenes for a while, all right, if Quinchon Judkins enters, he's either going to end up at UGA or Alabama. And he's too is headed to Ohio State. So, you know, how did they get these guys? And is it really just kind of the NIL, the, the change of – uh, how they view things there in Columbus? Yeah, it was weird because, I mean, I feel like sources were all over the board when it came to Judkins because when I reached out to somebody, the first two teams that were mentioned for me were Ohio State and Florida State. And I, and I was told Florida State just wasn't going to be able to get involved. So then I was watching Ohio State. But as soon as I put it on, I think I put it on butt nuts. And a lot of people were like, there's just no way that's not going to happen. But they also had the same opinion about Julian Sane. And we saw how that one played out. But um, I mean, just shout out to Ohio State for stepping it up when it comes to NIL. They are tired of losing to Michigan. They're tired of not winning a national championship. And they're doing all they can legally to take that team to the next level. So the Caleb, da Caleb Downs one was wild to me because there wasn't a single person I spoke to, and maybe I, maybe I didn't talk to enough people connected to Ohio State, but there wasn't a single person I spoke to that did not expect him to go to Georgia. Some people thought the deal was already done, and who knows? There's a possibility that verbally it was, but then Ohio State came back with a can't-beat offer uh, at the last minute. But from what I was told late last, like last second before he made his final decision was Ohio State put their best offer on the table, Georgia decided not to match it, and then he ended up picking Ohio State. But, you know, all that stuff is a little bit rumor here and there. But what a massive win for Ohio State. I mean, they, they had an incredible offseason. So a lot to be thankful for if you're Ohio State. The good fortune of Nick Saban, the greatest coach of, of all time in the collegiate ranks, 
stepping down, right, has led to this ripple effect throughout college football that can be felt really coast to coast. Ask anybody at Washington or Arizona the effect that Nick Saban has had. Looking past Ohio State, who has benefited from this, how about Alabama? What's the panic meter like there? We talked about Caleb Downs. We just talked about Julian Sane. You think of some other guys as well. They, they lose a, a, a true freshman tackle who started all 14 games for them this season, former five-star Caden Proctor. They also lose Desmond Ricks as well. Tom, you have the pulse on the recruiting trail. I know it's early, but is there any level of panic in Tuscaloosa right now? I don't think there's a ton of panic. I mean, I, I know landing Ryan Williams would surely be a nice gift for them to close out the 24 cycle. Uh, maybe going back and getting ahead of Jamie French and becoming a, a contender there in 25 as he's truly one of the best receivers and one of the best players in the entire country. But I mean, if you're looking at the quarterback position alone, they did a really good job of, of getting Austin Mack to transfer over. Um, and I really think for them, from what I gathered, and, and I mentioned already that the that the meetings between the new staff at Alabama that came over from Washington and Julian saying they didn't go exactly well, and they both kind of agreed to, to part ways. Um, they clearly think extremely highly of Austin Mack and think he's the future of that program. But, you know, if you look ahead at 25, I mean, they, they've already re-offered uh, Julian Lewis, who's committed to USC from Georgia. They re-offered uh, Deuce Knight, who's committed to Notre Dame. And if you're going to make that run at those guys, I mean, that's a that's a great decision. Those are two of the best in the country. And I, um, although I don't feel great about either of them ending up at Alabama, I think it's a smart move. It's, it's definitely guys that should go all in for. But I mean, if you're asking me what I would do in 25, I mean, and I'll stay in my lane, Coop, but this is a guy that I think is going to be stock up over the next 12 months. One of the best arms in the country is Ryan Montgomery. Washington, Ryan Montgomery have a great relationship. You know, he he loves DeBoer, loves Grubbs, high on them. So if Alabama jumps in and makes a run at him, I think that they have a really good shot. Um, as, as it stands right now, Alabama hasn't offered him, but I think that's the smoothest transition. Getting a guy or getting ahead for a guy like Ryan Montgomery would be a big win for Alabama. I love you saying that you're going to stay in your lane and then you just swerve right out of it. That's, that's beautiful there, Tom. Hey, real quick, you talked about Austin Mack, uh, who a lot of people might not be familiar with. This is a guy that reclassed from 2024 to 2023, was really a senior in high school last year, backed up Michael Penix along with Dylan Morris, who's now at JMU. This guy, there's a lot to like. Six foot six, 210 pounds, completed 70% of his passes as a junior at Folsom. A lot of people uh, who are watching this show who might be uh, fans down in Tuscaloosa might not know a lot about Austin Matt, but can you tell the listeners out there in our audience how excited this Alabama staff is about Austin Mack, who you just called the future face of this program at the quarterback position? I mean, I think it's I think what's just the most telling part of anything that I, I could say is that they passed on Julian Sayan and decided to go a different direction because of Austin Mack. So everybody could talk about how good he is on tape and what he's going to do and this and that. But like if Alabama fans were super excited about Julian saying and what he was going to bring to that program, and then the new Alabama staff simply says, Austin Mack's our guy. He's the future. We're probably going to go in a different direction. And I think it's best for you you to do this, Julian. We're going to do this. And we'll kind of let, you know, let the chips fall. But 
that that alone right there shows you how excited this Alabama staff is about Austin Mack and what he's going to bring to the table. But um, yeah, he he's the future. I really think that. I know they're going to hit the portal and do what they got to do, but they they couldn't be more excited about Austin Mack. Drew, let me read to you real quick because we've talked a lot about Austin Mack, a guy that we gave a lot of consideration to. Quite honestly, if he would have stuck in 24, I think this is a guy that would probably be in the mix with guys like Lagway and Riola and a lot of people now catching up to him. Your thoughts on Austin? and Mac to Alabama. I mean, prototypical frame, right? Over six foot five. Cooper, I remember when we first saw the footage on the UC report of him throwing out there in California, we were we were kind of drooling. It. You, you text me, how has this guy not came across my radar? It's everything we are looking for in terms of the height, uh, the weight. Uh, and then you dig into the profile. I mean, this is a guy that can snatch 200 pounds. It's an extremely technical lift. And he can run it, move it with his legs, but he's also a pocket passer. And you look at Kalen DeBoer, Ryan Grubbs, what they did with Michael Penix. There's a reason why, number one, they wanted Austin Mack to reclassify because they knew other schools were going to come calling. How many times has the SEC gone to uh, the West Coast and plucked a guy out of there? You had DJU, Bryce Young. I mean, they continue to do that. So so that's one of the main reasons why they talked him into reclassifying, having him redshirt, learn behind uh, a Heisman Trophy uh, contender there. And then right away, they bring him to Alabama. So I think this is going to be a guy that could uh, morph into one of the top quarterbacks in the SEC. And I think he's a guy that NFL talent evaluators are going to be drooling over. I mean, put this kid in the NFL combine, the NFL scouting combine there in Indianapolis. Everyone's going to be talking to him because of that height, weight and that speed. Ranked the number 73 player overall, the number eight quarterback there in the 2023 cycle. Even with the reclass, that says a lot about him. Drew, the reclass as well, going to be fascinating to kind of see how that now could potentially benefit a guy like Austin Mack, who maybe has one more year sitting behind a guy like Jalen Milrow. Guys, stick with us. Tom Loy going to continue to be with us throughout the show. I said Tuesday and Wednesday, how about Monday, the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel, the best place to be, the college football recruiting show hosted by Emily Proud, none other, great football content, 24-7, 365, pun intended, that is the place to be. Guys, make sure to like and subscribe as well. I said Tom Loy wasn't going anywhere, and he's not. Tom Loy, now it's time to look ahead to 2025. It starts already. 2024 in the rear view and the quarterbacks, they're already flying off the board. How about George McIntyre, a guy that's not considered a five-star yet. I know we heard you Rocky Top fans, but ranked inside the top 10, one of the best arms in the country, sitting behind only a guy like Bryce Underwood, the number one player in the country. He was down between Tennessee and Alabama. We talked a lot about Alabama, their quarterback situation. He ends up pledging to go play for Josh Heupel. Tom, what can you tell us about this one? Yeah, it was a it was a battle with with all three schools, Alabama and LSU included. They made it interesting for a while. Obviously, LSU went and got Bryce Underwood. But uh, shout out to Tommy Reese and Joe Sloan, recruited him extremely well, really made it a tight battle. But in talking to people, especially after he made it his commitment to Tennessee, um, there was a strong feeling from sources that that George was never going to leave home and it was always going to be Tennessee. You know, he was simply born to play quarterback at Tennessee and be a volunteer. But like he said, he he, he said it himself. It wasn't a decision, but rather a calling. Um, really big get for Tennessee. I'm excited for the fit. 
Um, one little nugget I just picked up uh, the other day was that Texas never offered, um, and I was asking about schools that maybe could have been bigger factors in this one if they made a move, and they never entered the process for them. They never offered. They never made them made them priority, showed any love. They got K.J. Lacey early, but that was a school that we're looking at biggest threats. I think Texas could have been a bigger threat for McIntyre, uh, well above Alabama and even LSU. So, um, but but he, all things considered, um, it was going to take a lot to you know upset Tennessee. But Texas was the was the one that um, basically, due to the fit, the respect for Sarkeesian and the offense in, in, in general, uh, that was one school that could have possibly upset Tennessee here. Coop, I, I love the. We talked about Ohio State's quarterback room it being five deep. What about Tennessee's? Nico followed up with Jake Merklinger, who we saw at the Polynesian Bowl, one of the most battle-tested quarterbacks in the 2024 cycle. Now you get George McIntyre, who could have played college basketball, right? He had offers, a, a few college basketball offers. I remember seeing him throw two years ago at an FIU camp. Remember, his uncle is the head coach of the Panthers. I'm like, who the hell is this kid? Because, number one, he is six foot five, but he's got a smooth stroke. Number nine quarterback for us right now. A little bit difficult of a, a junior season. He only won two games there at Brentwood Academy. They would, it was a it was a it was a bit puzzling. But then you dig in, right? Defense gave up 30 points a game. I think he's just a guy with tools. I can see him in that offense. He can extend plays, and I love how he uh, how he operates in the pocket in terms of spinning away from pressure and whatnot. I mean, huge get for Tennessee. Yeah, big developmental arm there. You think about. Tennessee and what they can be. Nico Iamalieva, we got to see him in the bowl game, the Cheez-Its Bowl against Iowa. And then you think about Merklinger as well, what they have coming behind him. I think that next big guy, timeline-wise, and I think this is so important now in the transfer portal era to be able to kind of marry this up, right? Hey, by the time Nico maybe tests the NFL waters, what's it going to look like at that position? I would fully expect a guy like George McIntyre, who is going to need a year more than likely, especially to develop physically to sit, I would expect him to be ready, kind of marry up with that timeline. So Tennessee doing some work. Uh, Tom, we mentioned earlier in the show, we talked a little bit about Alabama. We talked about Ohio State. Ohio State, we didn't even talk about Tavian St. Clair. So you, you think about that quarterback <laughs> room and what that's going to be like in the future. It's shaping up to be an exceptional room there, uh, not only now, but down the road as well. The top four arms, they're out of play, right? Let's just call that for now. Julian Lewis, that's one to watch, right? He's committed to USC. A couple other guys. How about Hussan Longstreet, Antoine Hill, TJ Latif? You talked a little bit about Ryan Montgomery. Anything happening with those guys here? Yeah, Longstreet, uh, fresh off a visit to UCLA. He's going to be at Miami this weekend. He's also going to be there for the battle Miami 7-on-7, to my knowledge at least. Um, Then he's going to Wants to visit Auburn and A&M in February. Um, said that UCLA, A&M, uh, Auburn, uh, all guaranteed an official visit. He actually grew up in Texas, so for A&M fans out there, dad actually worked in College Station. There's a familiarity there, so keep an eye on the Aggies there. But he wants to make a decision before his senior season, uh, likely in May. Uh, Antoine Hill was another guy you mentioned, top 100 kid, former Colorado commit. Uh, visited Florida and Georgia Tech already. He wants to visit A&M as well. Baylor, Louisville, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State. Open to new schools, too, that want to enter the race. Um, no rush necessarily on making a decision. Uh, he did jokingly tell me that next decision is going to be the final one. Um, so he's only going to be a two-commit guy. But uh, plans on taking official visits. But he wants to be committed before the start of a senior season. And then TJ Latif, uh, four-star quarterback, top 247 out of California. 
No off-season visits yet. Uh, he wants to take uh, guaranteed official visits. Ole Miss, Texas A&M. I think we're seeing a common uh, trend here with A&M. Uh, Auburn and Colorado. And then he's also got his top seven that includes Georgia, Arizona, and Florida State as well. Um, Ole Miss and Co Colorado, he said, are doing a phenomenal job, his quote, uh, about the with, with him throughout his process. But commitment timeline, he's probably looking, he said, April, May, or June. Um, from what I'm gathering, keep an eye on Auburn. If they make a push for him, he's got a lot of love for that school. Um, I think that's a dark horse. I'm not ready to like crystal ball him or anything like that. But if Auburn pushes, uh, keep an eye on Latif. I know we talked about Ryan Montgomery earlier. Just want to mention, um, probably going to commit in June, but you're looking at Auburn. I'm sorry, South Carolina and Georgia are probably the teams to beat right now. Um, and those are probably the top contenders at this point. Um, but again, keep an eye on Alabama. I think they're going to make a, a real a real big run. If they decide to offer, they can come in at, a, at kind of a late dark horse. Interesting nuggies from our friend Tom Lloyd. Tom Lloyd, you are welcome back on this show. And if this is your first time seeing Tom Lloyd, Tom Lloyd, will be a regular on this show. So we're excited to have him, have him here. Honorary Oyster Boy, Tom Lloyd. Great job. You can follow him on X at Tom Lloyd 247 Tom Lloyd, thanks for joining us. Drew, out of those uh, bucket of quarterbacks, I guess, uh, Hussan Longstreet, Antoine Hill, TJ Latif, Ryan Montgomery. Ryan Montgomery kind of seems to be the guy that everybody around the country is kind of keeping tabs on. Um, what guy out of this next wave of quarterbacks uh, really kind of has your eye right now? I think it'd be Ryan Montgomery. I told you before we started this show, I had a <laughs> I had a sheet of paper with all the stats on it, and I accidentally threw it out. And that's because it was the senior numbers for Ryan Montgomery. Took a lot of investigating on Google to actually get the the statistics, but he had a huge year. And we saw him at the Future 50 right back in June uh, there at IMG Academy. Won the accuracy challenge. Was one of the few. Uh, quarterbacks who was able to attack the deeper third. And I know it's a seven-on-seven seven setting, but when there's other guys in his class there, I thought that was notable. South Carolina is a school I kind of have circled. Same with Georgia, all right? You know, what, what would it look like with him potentially moving there, given where their quarterback room stands? And then Cooper, Florida, you know, what are they going to do post-DJ Lagway? Antoine Hill, you know, I thought that was the biggest get for Prime at Colorado, looking Pidot. Uh, post Shadur Sanders. Now he's back on the market. I mean, you think about Georgia Tech, uh, Brent Key, Haynes King, what they were able to do in 2023. I, I'm, I'm kind of focused on Antoine Hill and uh, Ryan Montgomery for me. I, I like that Antoine Hill kind of uh, Gainesville, Billy Napier fit. I mean, you think about being able to add a guy like DJ Lagway, who they had to hold on for dear life is, is what it felt like. All the physical tools there. And then you bring in a guy like Antoine Hill. They need a little stability in that quarterback room. They got that right now with Graham Mertz. It could line up nice if you're a Florida fan in that quarterback room. But, Drew, we all know what they need to do this year. That's just win football games. If they can do that, get to year four, they might have something cooking. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, I talked about Monday, I talked about Tuesday, I talked about Wednesday. Now you're probably wondering, all right, well, what's on my program for Thursday at the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel? Well, live programming, that's what it's going to be. I don't have a name for you yet, but it's going to be live. So make sure to like and subscribe. We'll have all the talent there possible. Smoke Dixon, Carl Reed, Emily Proud, Blair Angulo, everybody there breaking it down. So trust me, Thursday, the place to be 5 o'clock Eastern time right here on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. Drew, my favorite part of this show is talking about our process, recruiting rankings, and guess what? We're done with 2024. The boys had a nice text thread last night in the scouting group. Hey, what are you drinking tonight? We just put a little, little bit of cherry on top. It's done. It's over. Now we're heading to 2025. But wait, we got some final thoughts on 2024. And guess what? There was some conversation about who would finish number one at the quarterback position. I think we've been talking about this for the last couple months. What are we going to do here? Is it ultimately going to be a guy like DJ Lagway who has all that physical upside, who is yet to materialize? Or is it going to be the steady Eddie, the guy who just continues to get it done? We've seen him in a lot of different environments. What about a guy like Dylan Raiola? Drew, I'd like to just give you the floor here and let you just kind of take this wherever you want to take it when it came down to DJ Lagway and Dylan Raiola. Well, for Coop, can I start here, right? I think a lot of fans, I mean, we see it on social media, then we see it, um, you know, on the message boards, right? How are you guys making these moves if uh, no games have been played? And the pushback on that, right, of that top 247 we just put out, 130 of those guys, we saw them either in Orlando at the Under Armour game or San Antonio at the All-American Bowl. And Cooper, remember, a month ago, before we came out with that last update, right before the early signing period, there was a lot of moves we wanted to make. And I remember you telling me on the phone, hey, let's let's hit pause here. We're expected to see a number of these guys at the All-Star events. We don't want to zigzag them in the rankings, so let's just wait and see what materializes, right? We're going to measure them. We're going to see them interact. We're going to see them compete. So, you know, I think a lot of people are like, oh, how, how did this move happen? It's like, no, we were waiting for that final exposure point, right? Because information is king, right? We're always going to give priority to the prospects we have the most information on. So I just wanted to get that out there uh, on, on the airwaves or, I don't know, YouTube channel, uh, whatnot. Uh, but Lagway and, and Raiola, and but let's really peel it back. I mean, we talked about making that move in the middle of the season. We talked about making that move in December. We wanted to see DJ Lagway in Orlando. Uh, I think me, uh, of the quarterbacks, he's got my highest grade. I think he has the highest ceiling out of all the arms that are assembled. Uh, we talk about the frame. Um, we talk about him needing to improve as a passer, but he has gotten better and better. I thought he had the best senior season out of anyone in America. Look at him. He won the Max Preps National Player of the Year Award. He won the Gatorade Player Year of the Year Award. I just think it's his mobility uh, and what he can be. Uh, we saw some of it in Orlando. Obviously, we saw Dylan Raiola out at the Polynesian Bowl. Uh, but this is a move we wanted to make, and we finally did it. DJ Lagway, our number one quarterback. I think the most important thing you just said right there is about what he can be, right? And, and it's important when we talk about our rankings process, the NFL draft, that's our compass, and that's what it comes down to. DJ Lagway, 
is not a finished product. And in a lot of ways, that's a positive for DJ Lagway. You think about him and what could materialize over the ne- next couple of years. This is not a guy that I would expect to step on campus, have an immediate impact for Florida as their full-time starter, or a guy to push Graham Mertz. If that happens, then that's a super positive and a guy that's outperformed expectations. There is a way to get this guy on the field early. You talked about his dual threat capabilities. He almost rushed for 1,000 yards this season, also threw for over 4,000 yards, 59 touchdowns, eight INTs. Drew, the one thing that I, I, I keep going back to with DJ Lagway, year over year, he has improved in every major statistical category that is a indicator for a successful quarterback at the next level and beyond, right? So you think about the completion percentage over the last three years, he's gone from 55 to 67 to 72, right? He's cleaned that up. For me, as a as a pure passer of the game, this looks like a guy that is now playing the game instead of reacting to the game. That's been the biggest development for me from DJ Lagway as a junior to a senior. Uh, completely different level of comfort. If he can continue that trend, then sky's the limit for DJ Lagway. And on the flip side, Dylan Riola is the most natural passer in the class. I, I have no hesitation saying that. This is a guy that is in- incredibly gifted, incredibly skilled. I think the thing for him, Drew, is that he's going to need a year to sit as well. That's not a negative. I talked about four different programs in four years. Let me be very clear. This would be a red flag for any program in the country that was evaluating Dylan Riola as a potential fit. I'm not saying it as a negative character flaw, but you would have to get to the bottom of that as well. He's also a guy that's committed to three different programs. The last player with that caliber of stature to do that was a guy named Gunnar Keel. Okay, so I told you I always had the sense that this guy would end up at Nebraska. I'm not even saying that that Nebraska or the final destination is where he is or why he dropped from quarterback one to quarterback two. I just think big picture wise, when you're asking those questions, those aren't things that are just easily overlooked. I'm trying to be as transparent as possible here. And there are a lot of variables you have to take into consideration. I'm also aware of the fact that the game has changed a lot in the last couple of years as well in the NIL and transfer portal as well. There are going to be a lot of expectations on his shoulders in Lincoln, Nebraska, where his dad was a a player that is uh, an All-American, right? Played 10 years in the NFL as well. Um, Drew, I wish for him the most success. He has all the physical tools uh, as well environment is going to be important. We talk about that all the time, right? In terms of protection, can they protect them in terms of playmaking? What do they have on the perimeter? Helps when you have guys like Malachi Coleman, Carter Nelson as well. And then also the play calling, right? So all that comes in for Dylan Riola, not in terms of the player projection, but ultimately at the end of the day, if you were to ask me which guy has more developmental upside that I'm saying I'm going to bet on, it's DJ Lagway. And it wasn't like this was a black and white decision. Just because we decided on DJ Lagway does not mean that there's not a argument for Dylan Riola out there that has some validity to it. But at the end of the day, DJ Lagway was the guy that we ended up deciding on as our QB1. Well, the horn sounded. We had to pick one guy, right? And I think with DJ, or excuse me, with Dylan Riola, what stands out, and I said this coming after his season opener there at Buford High School. Uh, four four schools in four years or, or whatever it was. I mean, it's still impressive that he picked up a pro-style system there at Buford High School uh, in the matter of just a few weeks. So we know he can learn a playbook. I think that is somewhat notable. I also love how he 
kind of operates on the move in the pocket. He's a big, sturdy kid, and he's going to buy himself some time. Through just one interception on 250 pass attempts as a senior, and I think there's some cases where he gets a little little too gun shy and will hold on to the football, which can lead to bad sacks. But the tools are all, all there, right? It's an NFL caliber arm. And Cooper, go back to the Elite 11 finals, right? We named Julian Sayan our MVP, but there was some discussion about making Dylan uh, Riola the MVP of that event. So we like him a lot. Uh, now, do I think throwing him into the fire year one there at Nebraska, uh, is that going to be the right move? I'm not sure, just having interacted, having seen his demeanor in some of these games. But that's not affecting his ranking. I mean, he would have been ranked where we ranked him, regardless of where he was going to, uh, going to school. Ultimately, it comes down to, I think, the upside with, with DJ Lagway. I mean, the upside, I view it higher than I do uh, with Dylan Riola. Yeah, and a lot of that, I think, probably has to do, you look a little bit into the background of DJ Lagway, and we've kind of, we, we beat this horse dead a little bit, but I think the, the, you add the component as a dual threat quarterback as well, and then to see the way that he has continued to develop as a passer over the last year or so, I think that was really the X factor when it comes down to that conversation between DJ Lagway and Dylan Riola. So we got a lot of feedback on that. We love feedback. We should be able to answer these questions when you have these type of questions as well. And with that being said, well, time for a little Q&A, Drew. And let's start. You know, we're getting into that time of the year, I guess, where things are starting to slow down a little bit. We can get the audience, you involved more if you have any questions at all when it comes to the player discussion rankings, anything like that, please make sure to submit those questions either to us on Twitter, X, whatever you'd like to call it, or in the chat as well. And hopefully we'll get to those. Drew, one question that you had, right, which I think is always a great question that we have when we put our head on the pillow at night, but the player outside the top 32 that keeps you up at night, Drew, who is yours? I said Carter Nelson, right? And Carter Nelson, we saw him at the All-American Bowl. He had, a, I think, one catch in the actual game. And if you go back to the practices, there was a bit of kind of an adjustment period. And Carter Nelson, a guy on my freaks list. And I think the key thing with Carter is he played eight-man football there in Ainsworth, Nebraska. It's a one-stop light town. Um, having seen him after the Polynesian Bowl, I think he was a little bit more comfortable in that 11-on-11 game. Dylan Riola targeted him a bunch. I think he had two long gains over the middle. I just think about Cooper, the athletic profile, right, what he has done on the track. He's got some of the best dunk mixtapes out there. He's a guy we could look up and we could be wishing we had a little bit higher. Um, still have him in the top 50. Could be a case where you want him in the 32. I mean, look at Dalton Kincaid, what he is doing with the Buffalo Bills or what he did in his rookie season. Uh, Sam Laporta, some of these other move tight end prospects. He's just a guy that I think, all right, you know, maybe we should have had him in the 32. And if you remember, we only had one uh, five-star tight end, and that was Luke Reynolds, Carter Nelson, tight end three for us. Yeah, the guy, the, the guy that I think about, Drew, how about Nasir Johnson heading to Georgia, right? This was a guy, same, same type of boat, I guess, as Carter Nelson. We got to see Carter Nelson in San Antonio at the All-American Bowl. Our, our friends there, Brandon Huffman, Greg Biggins, Blair Angulo, also got to see him at the Poly Bowl in Hawaii. But you think about Nasir Johnson, this was a guy we didn't have a live evaluation on. We finally get a little bit of uh, size context, and guess what came back? 6'5", 3 quarters, over 300 pounds. Oh, by the way, 7-foot wingspan, over 34-inch arms. So you think about the fit, right, and where this guy is going to school 
former Florida commit. I hate to say that. Salt on the wound. He ends up at Georgia. And you think about Georgia, what they've been able to do with guys like Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, this guy, two-way standout, played offense, defensive line, Drew. He ends up number 52 in our rankings. I look back and say, hey, man, I would not be surprised if this guy ends up cracking uh, top 20 uh, a couple years from now just based on the fit, based on what he has in his body, the redeeming qualities, and where he's going to go at the next level in terms of getting developed as well. And that's what we've seen Georgia do. That's their track record. Nasir Johnson, Carter Nelson, two names to keep an eye on. All right, that was Drew's question. Now we're going to open it up to you guys. We had some good ones uh, via Twitter. Let's open up our next one right here on the full screen. I'll read it to you. Shout out to our guy, Zone Defense Wins. I mean, he is so active on the app. Big Oyster Boys guy. Hey, man, we appreciate you. Biggest guys who give you pause between where you have them in the rankings and the industry does. Biggest behind-the-scenes debate as well. Drew, I thought this was a fantastically crafted, worded question by our friend Zone Defense Wins. Um, Biggest guys that give you pause. Are you a zone defense guy or a man defense guy? I'm I'm, I'm a man-to-man guy, man. Do a little bit of everything, though. Um, I thought it was a great question, too, because I had to go through all of our rankings. I'm going to start with two wide receivers, Cooper. We got them at the All-American Bowl. Courtney Crutchfield headed to Missouri. Kylan, or Kylan Billiot finally got that right, headed to LSU. We are higher than the industry significantly on Billiot. I think we're the only one that has him in the top 100. And then Crutchfield, we're higher as well. Um, to me, I mean, guys that can create separation, right? We evaluated them alongside all these other pass catchers at the All-Star Games. They were two of our favorites. Courtney Crutchfield, I think Hudson Standish on our team, what he calls him, a quarterback's best friend. That might even be the term for for Kylan Billiot. Billiot, to me, is one of those Louisiana animals, right? Uh, a guy where there's no verified information on him. You know, he only caught 30 passes or so as a senior. And I was talking to him at one of those AAB practices, and he says, yeah, you know, my – My offense isn't that good. I mean, try to get some statistics uh, from uh, where he is in Louisiana. So those are two guys that I think fit what we're looking for at the wide receiver position, right? They are guys that can create separation, and then they can create separation after the catch. They are vertical threats. Courtney Crutchfield, his basketball tape is awesome. Um, Kylan Billiot, he's throwing it down on the hardwood as well. And if you go back to that 2023 NFL draft, You know, one of the key indicators for the wide receiver position is where they decorated hoopers at the prep level. Both those guys were we're valuing that uh, with uh, with the wide receiver position. So those are those are two that came to mind for me. What about you? I'm going to go with a guy because zone defense wins. He he did a good job of uh, prefacing this. He said positive and negative. So I went that route. I went positive and negative. I'm going to go with Jordan Ross. Uh, The next highest ranking on him is 17 spots later at number 26. We have him at number nine. I love Jordan Ross, uh, have been infatuated with this guy throughout the entire process. One of the top edges in the country and a guy that's going to play his ball in Knoxville. You think about everything he is and what he can be as well. He had some question marks, Drew. I think he only had two and a half sacks as a junior basketball background. And you kind of wonder, you say, wow, this guy's got all the physical ability in the world. Where's the production? Well, as a senior, he adds 15 to 20 pounds to his frame. He's playing at 230. He also uh, 
in terms of production, you see the uptick there, 12 and a half sacks as a senior at Vestavia Hills. Drew, I just think he's getting started in terms of his physical trajectory, but you talk about the motor, his ability to make plays in space. You can drop him in coverage. He is a multi-dimensional pass rusher. I love the way that he played uh, against the run this year as well. You talk about the physicality at the line of scrimmage. I had some question marks about that going into the senior year. We got to see him at the Under Armour All-America game. Our boys got to see him in the Poly Bowl as well. I think he was one of the best players there and most consistent standouts throughout the week. So there's a positive. The other one that maybe kind of I just don't know, Elijah Rushing, right? We have Elijah Rushing uh, at number 26 in our rankings, and this is a guy – you're looking at from a checkbox standpoint, going to play his ball at the University of Oregon under Dan Lanning. Drew, he's beautiful. You see him, right? We haven't seen him in person, but you, you love the idea of him so much and what he can be. And you talk to people around that program, and they think he can be really special. I just don't think he's tapped into that yet. He's going to need a year or two in the strength and conditioning program under Wilson Love, director of strength, conditioning, and performance over there in Eugene to get his body right. I think he needs to develop technically as well. Talk about these guys that are like slow burns, right? I think Elijah Rushing is going to be one of those guys we're going to have to be a little patient with maybe three or four years until we really kind of see him blossom into what we think he can be. But in terms of the physical clay, Elijah Rushing has that. So I went with two – uh, pass rushers there. You went with two wideouts, Courtney Crutchfield, Kylan Billiot. Love Kylan Billiot, by the way. How about Brian Thomas Jr.? It's kind of the guy he kind of reminds me of a little bit. Another guy I wrote down, Walker White, right? And I know some people are still adjusting their rankings. We have him as at 41 overall after uh, the All-American Bowl late invite to the game. Glad we got him in there. I thought he threw or he was the best in San Antonio when it came to attacking that intermediate to deeper parts of the field. I don't think he's ever going to be a 65% completion percentage type of guy. Uh, that's that's not what his mold is, but uh, he's got a big athletic frame. Another guy on, on the freaks list. We saw him run the football a little bit there inside the Alamo Dome. And I think he's just scratching the surface of, of what he could be. Dig back into the senior tape. I mean, there are some, there are, there are some okay moments, like wow moments on there. And he just needs to get, you know, more consistent, going to need some seasoning. But you think about him playing with Hugh Freeze, what he did with Malik Willis. I don't know. I, I think uh, interested to see who's right on Walker White. Before we get to tweet number two, there is a second part of this question from Zone Defense Wins, uh, Drew, that I liked a lot, right? The biggest behind-the-scenes debate with this rankings update. Your opinion, what was it? <laughs> well, you stole the, the obvious one where we went kind of back and forth for like five days. Uh, the wide receiver position, right? Uh, we couldn't put 12 guys in the inside the top 32, and you look – at the NFL draft that we saw last year, what we're going to see this upcoming year, you know, some of the mock drafts from the guys I trust, there were the, the guys that I think have a real pulse on the situation. You're looking at three wide receivers potentially in the top eight picks. Um, so wide receivers are being valued at an all-time high, but we eventually had to cut it off. Uh, again, you, you you always bring up this stat, Cooper. We saw 19 of the top 21 ranked wide receivers at these all-star games. It was not easy picking guys. Perry Thompson came out of the top 32. Mike Matthews came out of the top 32. I was on the Tennessee site all uh, all Monday night pushing back and explaining why we made that decision. Look, we love both those kids. Uh, I just brought up two other receivers we like, Courtney Crutchfield, uh, Kylan Billiot. I think they could be five stars in any other cycle, but it is just so loaded 
Uh, we elected to go with Gatlin Bear, Ryan Wingo on the back end, uh, Micah Hudson. Um, you know, that was kind of the conversation. And it was not easy to stack those guys. And, you know, maybe we're wrong, right? Maybe we, we didn't have this order stacked properly. Um, but I think everyone is in the in the right neighborhood, in the right ballpark, right? They're, they are all inside the top 64. And I think this wide receiver class is, is going to be special when we look back in a few years. Yeah, the, this current NFL draft, the upcoming one, 2024, it seems like that consensus number is six receivers potentially in the first round. Drew, what did we finish with? Seven or eight, depending if you count Terry Bussey, right, in that mix as well. Drew, I thought the biggest conversation was Colin Simmons and Marquise Lightfoot, right? You, you talked about that conversation going on for like five days. And Colin Simmons was fascinating because he's got all this production, but it's not really a guy that we've seen live a handful of times. We thought we we're going to see him in Orlando, ends up uh, kind of battling a lower extremity injury. So that was a little bit of a disappointment. Marquise Lightfoot, he goes to San Antonio. He measures well. He's got 35-inch arms. He's got production. production. He's got an ascending arrow. We end up sticking with Simmons uh, and certainly a guy at the end of the day that, Drew, we talk about all the time. I mean, the evaluation process, it is a long process, right? It is two to three years of studying certain players. Colin Simmons, one of those guys, he's been on our radar for a long time. And there's a little bit of fatigue there. I'm not even saying that in a negative way, but you know the player so well. You have really kind of shot holes everywhere in his game possible. Colin Simmons at the end of the day, man, like you just go back to the tape and I was kind of grinning when we were on that show yesterday and we're going through the top 32 five stars. He's just a player and a guy that really knows how to get to the quarterback. But Drew, I thought that was one of the better debates that we've had in a long time. Yeah, and with Marquise Lightfoot, I mean, it was, I don't want to say like recency bias, but right, we saw him at the All-American Bowl. I thought he had the best first step there. I don't know if that's, we handed him that award, uh, but it was certainly discussed. It was between him and the Arizona pass rushers. I think the thing that, I don't know, makes me nervous with Lightfoot is is just that waist. I, I've joked with you, I mean, he might have a 30-inch waist. Now, he's got long arms, right, 35-inch arms, so we're not worried about the length. Uh, but his ability, you know, to carry weight long term, that's what, that's kind of what scares me there. And then you look at Colin Simmons, uh, MVP of the state title game his senior year. You know, he did it against stiff competition in the Lone Star State, and he did it for multiple, multiple years. Lightfoot, a kid out of Illinois, which – uh, doesn't get enough credit for how much NFL draft talent it churns out. I think the state of Illinois is close to double-digit picks per year. Um, so there's some football players that come out of there, but a little bit different Texas ball against Illinois ball. And, you know, it would have been nice to see Colin Simmons at the Under Armour game just to see him go best on best. But his ankle was wrapped up. We didn't get a chance to see that. Uh, he stays in. Lightfoot's right there. Maybe we got it wrong. Maybe we got it right. Yeah, excited to see that one. It's a case study, right? You kind of you go back, and, and this is one we're going to revisit in a couple years and see what happens with Colin Simmons and both Marquise Lightfoot. All right, Drew, the last question here, tweet number two is what we'll call it. How about our boy Eric Marrero? Shout out to him, underscore at the end. Who could be this year's Ruben Bain, top 80 to 150 player that plays a lot like a top 32 player? Little of a uh, little bit of a slight there. The boys in Miami, Coral Gables, they love Reuben Bain. I get it. Super productive. PFF darling as well. Let's face it. Reuben Bain played played like a top 32 guy last year, right? So uh, no no harm, no foul there. Drew, I went through the rankings. I 
could not find a Reuben Bain, right? Sometimes Reuben Bain does not exist where you got a guy ranked in that certain grade range and you say, all right, this guy's going to make that type of impact. Now, a guy that I do think is very well capable of outperforming our current grade projection for him is Christian Bentoncurrent, a guy that you have long been a fan of as well, tied in, going to play his ball at Clemson. He showed up in San Antonio. He showed up in Hawaii as well, if you watch that game on the NFL Network like these two sickos. Uh, this guy was just Mr. Consistent over the last couple of weeks and especially throughout the entire postseason bigger than we thought, right? I think over six foot four moves exceptionally well. We always talk about the tight end position, such a field position and in terms of how to create consistent separation. We saw Benton Kerr do that over the last two weeks and just in terms of the dependability as well. I think this is one of the, the early uh, candidates, I think, to turn a lot of heads uh, in, in college football. You look around, first couple weeks, people are going to go back and say, Christian Bentenker, where'd he come from? Well, Drew, this is one of our guys, number four tied in in the country, top 100 player now. Let's stamp him as the Oyster Boys. I'm not just doing it for myself. I know I'm doing it for you, too. I love this question, right? And let's go back to Ruben Bain, okay? You know, what was kind of the key indicators for him having success as a true freshman earning ACC Defensive Rookie of the Year? All right, he put up monster numbers his senior season, and then he had a good showing at the Under Armour All-America game during one-on-ones uh, and actually under the lights there in Camping World Stadium. I think Christian Bentaker Cooper um, fits that same mold. And his final prep game right there in Illinois, we're talking about Illinois again, he caught 21 passes. All right, he caught 21 passes. Uh, I also love the fact that he's a basketball player, All-State honorable mention. I think that is so important, not only for the wide receivers like I just talked about, but just multi-sport in general. Anyone that's going to watch the NFL draft, right, you're going to watch the Shrine Game, uh, the Senior Bowl, the NFL Combine, right, in the coming weeks. Look at all the tight ends that are participating in those. They're all guys that do a variety of different things. I think Christian Benton Kerr checks off that box so he's an ascending player great senior season look good in the all-star setting and i think clemson sets up in a situation where he's going to have to see the field like reuben bain did at miami the name i wrote down jordan ship wide receiver signed with north carolina went through bowl practices with them i talked with someone in chapel hill they said hey you know after after we saw him in san antonio i said hey this jordan ship kid's pretty good they're like yeah he's kind of better than we thought he was after we got our hands on him for a little bit so that's a good sign uh but jordan ship monster senior season over 60 catches you know double digit touchdowns over a thousand yards uh catching passes from Jaden davis but then we see him at the all-american bowl he had that huge catch over the middle went up climbed the ladder got the football uh and then you think about okay you know where can true freshmen get on the field well in the acc it's at the wide receiver position, KJ Concept or Kevin Concepcion last year, Eric Singleton. Uh, UNC returns some talent, right? But Tez Walker's gone off to the NFL. I think Jordan Ship has a chance to be a part of that rotation. So I wrote him. And then Coop, the other one, the two freshman linebackers at Florida, Miles Graham, Aaron Childs. I think another situation, all right, these guys need to get on the field. We like both of them in Orlando. They look ready to go from a physical standpoint. So those are two. Uh, I also kind of circle, but a great question. Yeah, Florida needs some backers as well. So that puts a bow on 2024, man. It just feels like uh, yesterday we launched our first show. I think we're on episode 26 uh, of the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast since we've come to you in a video format. But, Drew, as we put a bow on 2024, final thoughts from the director of scouting on this class of 2024. Anything you want to leave the viewers with before we depart 
and set sail for 2025? Well, I feel good about our top 247, right? I mean, we put a lot of work into it. And I think some people believe that, all right, offers or where these kids sign uh, influence our rankings. And that's that's complete opposite of the case. Cooper, you can pull up your email, right? What did I what did I send out to everyone this morning? Okay, we we got some room for some some last minute four stars. I don't want guys going to power five schools. I want some group of five signees in there, right? So we're going to stamp some guys. We don't care where these kids are signing. We want to get it right. We want to look up three, four, five years from now, depending on, you know, NIL and uh, red shirts and, and pandemics and whatnot. We want guys that are getting getting drafted, guys we're hitting on. So um, I'm glad to be done with 24. Still a little, little tinkering, but we're moving into 2025, uh, and I can't wait to attack that cycle. Job well done, my friend. Also, shout out to our friends Gabe Brooks, Hudson Standish, Greg Biggins, the rest of the crew of 24-7 Sports, the guys behind the scenes you don't get to see a lot of, but they do a phenomenal job. Big part of our team and our final product here at 24-7 Sports. I'm glad you read that email that you just brought up because I did not read it this morning. I had no idea what you're talking about. Guys, we appreciate you joining us as always. The Oyster Boys will be back tomorrow. Remember, every Tuesday and Wednesday, 5 o'clock Eastern time. Guys, if you're watching the show you like the product please like and subscribe help us out guys we enjoy it as always thanks for watching we'll see you tomorrow